0: I want to begin uh, in a slightly uncharacteristic way um, by asking a fairly direct question. Uh, I'm, I'm not someone who, who likes to ask direct, confronting questions because I generally I try to recoil away from any sense of confrontation. But I think I feel like there's a, a very serious question that, that I want to ask that, that God wants us to look at as we embark on this new series. Um, if you're if you're a Christian here this morning, if you have if you're seeking to follow Jesus, having asked Him to to forgive your sins, to uh, you're seeking to glorify Him as you await an eternity with Him. If you would if you would call yourself a Christian this morning, I wonder what difference your faith makes to your everyday life. Um, maybe you come to church regularly and faithfully um, as an expression of of your of your Christian faith, but but again the same question. I wonder what difference being here coming to church makes to your Monday to Saturday life? Perhaps you read the Bible regularly and and hear it opened and explained. Hopefully here each week you do that anyway. I wonder what difference the Bible makes to your life when it's not open on your lap or, or on your phone. In other words, the, the hard hitting question that I think God wants us to wrestle with for this term at least is Sorry, does what we believe as Christians make a tangible difference in the way we live our lives? Or or maybe we should begin even a further step back. Should what we believe as Christians affect how we live our lives? Well, well, right from the outset, I want to be completely clear and abundantly clear that I wholeheartedly believe, yes, it should. Uh, I'm sure that many, if not every Christian here this morning would agree that should what we believe impact our lives, a resounding yes However, when I, when I closely examine my life, I'm not sure that the reality of what I know should happen always does happen. So should what I believe make an impact in the way I live my life? Yes, it should. Does it always? I, I'm not sure. I, I think there's still areas of my life that I like to control. I don't really want to invite Jesus to be Lord of that bit of my life because actually I quite like the way things are going. And I don't want to relinquish control there. But actually, if we believe that what we, if we know that what we believe should impact every, every area of our life, yet we see areas in our life where it doesn't, then I'm, I believe God's calling us to try to close that gap, not out of our own effort, not by just trying harder, but actually by exposing ourselves more and more to God's word. And as He shows us how our beliefs should impact our lives, then that gap will close. Maybe maybe you sympathize with with my kind of uh, feeling there, or maybe you rightly critique me for uh, such a a revelation. But the the point I'm trying to get at is that I, perhaps like you, need to understand how we can close that gap between what we know should be taking place and what actually does. So I I need to understand how I can allow more of what I believe to affect how I live. Um, And and today we're we're starting this new series, and I'm calling it Head, Heart, Hands. Uh, And the major thought that will underpin our times together between this morning and probably the end of November-ish is that God's word should impact our lives. That's the underlying assumption that we're we're going into this series with. Uh, And what we know, then what we should know, should impact our head, our hands, our hearts. What we believe about God, what we believe about Jesus, what we believe about his spirit, what we believe about his word, the Bible, what we believe about church, all of that should impact our lives in ways that are visible in our heads, our hands, and our hearts. What I mean is this, in thinking about our heads, when we open God's word, whether that's corporately here together or individually throughout the week, we should learn something. Our minds should be engaged as we do that. And there's glorious truths that we see in the pages of Scripture, and and we need to try to comprehend that. This, God's Word, is good news. It is the good news. It's good news for the whole world, and so if we're to live in the light of it and share it well, then we've got to know what we believe and why we believe it. God's Word impacts our heads. Secondly, it impacts our hearts. See, these truths that we see in the pages of Scripture... Um, which we engage with with our heads, and rightly so, and we should, those truths should should evoke an emotional response in us. Um, You see, these truths are not theoretical. They they are personally life-changing truths, as we see displayed in God's word. And so as we see the the character of God, his, his power, his might, his love, his justice, his compassion, his guidance, his sovereignty, his compassion as i've said that twice his strength his creativity as we see god revealed those things they're not just intellectual ideas that we hold they're things that captivate our hearts these are life-altering truths because we realize that this god who we see revealed in scripture is the god who made us the god who loves us the god who wants to rescue us the god who wants to spend eternity with us this is good news and so these truths captivate our hearts What we know as truth from God in our head should inform how we feel in our heart. And finally then in our hands, with heads full of these glorious truths, hearts captivated by the love of our Heavenly Father, then then our lives cannot stay the same. As we said, this is good news, this good news message that we believe in, this good news message that we share is not just good news for eternity. It is that, absolutely that. It is also good news for the here and now. And so, of course, it is good news for eternity. The, the, the wonderful good news of eternal salvation uh, from rescue from eternal torment and judgment, that is good news for eternity. But God's word also shows us that Jesus came to give life to the full life in the here and now. Eternity begins in a sense. That this good life that God has called us to, we should be living now. Not in some kind of hashtag best life now kind of way. But in a genuine God filled, this is the way we live our lives. And this honors God. And this is the best way to live our lives because he has designed it to be so. Jesus promises life to the full. God promises his, his peaceful presence. His spirit indwells those of us who believe in him to to live this faithful, obedient life. This is good news, and it's good news for now as well as for eternity. And so the the truths that we know in our heads captivates our emotions in a way that changes everything about the way we live our daily lives. Changes how we think about ourselves, changes how we treat other people, changes how we our impact, how we manage our time, our finances, how we consider our careers and professions as callings from him, how how we deal with difficulty and pain, how we understand grief, how we plan for the future. All of these things, everything in life is affected by the reality of the great truths that we know and how that has captivated our heart and therefore what we know and what we feel is lived out through our hands and how we live. So head, heart, hands. Knowing God's truth, which captivates our emotions and determines our actions. Knowing God's truth, which captivates our emotions and determines our actions. And so over the next number of weeks, uh, we're going to examine some of the key beliefs that are at the core of the Christian faith uh, and seek to develop our understanding of how we should think about these truths. Yes, rightly so. How we sh- how they should make us feel, absolutely, and how we our lives are then changed in light of those wonderful truths. And to frame that process, we're obviously going to base ourselves squarely in Scripture. But in order to determine and to define some of those key beliefs, we're actually going to work our way through the church doctrinal statement. Some of you might have just sighed. Really? We are not studying the church doctrinal statement. We are actually going to look at the ten key points that are mentioned there and think, how are these wonderful truths revealed in Scripture? How should we feel about those wonderful truths and then how should we live out in the light of them? And I realize that doctrinal statement doesn't sound like an exciting document for for all of us or some of us, uh, but please keep in mind the framework that we're looking at here, that this doctrinal statement is not just a a big list of, of theological words that make you sound very clever. It's a summary of the key teaching of scripture about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to follow Jesus. And so over the next uh, maybe 10 weeks, I realize some of these might take more than one week, so we'll see how we go. We're going to look at these are the 10 points, the scriptures, God, the Trinity, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the devil, humanity, justification, the church, the future state, and Christian behavior. And so my prayer for this series is, is that we would grow in our understandings of these key teachings of scripture in our heads, yes we grow in our understanding and in doing so that God would captivate our heart our emotions by them would be captivated and that by that our lives would be shaped as we seek to live in the light of these wonderful truths and for this morning I just want to set the scene a little bit and actually see how God's word convinces us of the reality that what we see in his word should indeed impact our lives and we're going to look at a few verses from James chapter 1 And so if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn there, uh, either physically or on your device, and and turn to James chapter 1. And we're going to read verse 22 to verse 25. And so please do turn there with me if you have the opportunity to do so. James chapter 1, 22 to 25. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Maybe we could just stop there. That that kind of summarizes everything we've talked about so far, isn't it? But let's continue to read. Verse 23. Anyone who listens to the word of God but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Can we pray as we, as we turn to look at these words. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for uh, the opportunity to look at it, to, to listen to it, to have it open before us. Father, the freedom that we have to gather in your name and to hear your teaching. And so we pray Father, that you would speak really clearly to us this morning. Uh, you would draw us deeper into uh, this wonderful, loving relationship that you've called us to. And Father, that you would indeed work in our lives and our hearts for your glory and for our good. Amen. And these words in James 1, as we've said, uh, probably don't need a lot more added to them. And so I'm not going to spend a great deal of time in them. Uh, As I said, verse 22 kind of sums the whole thing up, doesn't it? And do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And I think it might be helpful to spend some time just unpacking this verse just a little bit uh, and to rest in this verse to not, not rush on through it. Uh, and so let's break this down a little bit more. It begins, do not merely listen to the word. Uh, and I suppose firstly, I'm encouraged here that the, the problem that's being addressed is not a problem of listening. So, so this is not a critique of listening to God's word. This is not a critique of, of um of hearing His Word, of thinking on His Word, of having that head knowledge of His Word. That's not the problem here. That's not what God is addressing through the pen of James in this this instance. Listening to the Word of God is good. God's Word is where we see His teaching. It's where we see His character displayed. It's where we see His truth, the truth. And so we should encourage one another Uh, to to continue to listen to his word, whether that's here as we gather. So Sunday mornings are important for this very purpose. Wednesday evenings are important for that very purpose. We gather to open God's word, to hear God's word together. We should encourage one another to be listening to God's word throughout the week in whatever format that takes, embedding ourselves in it, meditating on it. That is a good thing to do. Listening to the word is good. But but the little important word in the middle of this phrase is merely do not merely listen to the word. So listening is good, but, but listening is not the whole picture. Don't stop with listening. And why And why should we not just stop with listening? Why is there a problem with merely listening? Well, the verse goes on. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Deceiving ourselves? How, how, how is merely listening to the word then? Deceiving ourselves? Well, The the, the risk is that that we assume that hearing God's word is enough for us to be growing spiritually in him. Now don't get me wrong, as we've said, listening is a good practice. I'm not in any way decrying that. God is encouraging us to do that more. But the issue here is, and the focus here is on those who merely listen. So teaching and reading are good things, but they're not enough. If we, if we, if we only keep that at head level, it, then it's not enough. We're merely listening. See, following Jesus isn't just about becoming book smart about the Bible. It's not just about learning how to define some big theological words. It's, it's not even just about being able to recite loads of scripture from memory. Those things are all good and biblical practices. But if that only ever stays, if following Jesus only ever stays as an intellectual exercise, then I think we've missed the point. Merely listening to the Word is not the whole picture, and we deceive ourselves if we think it is. Now, that might sound quite harsh, but, but understand the reason that I believe God has given us that warning. You see... If we have a belief in Jesus, that means we only listen to his word without doing it. If we only keep his truth at head level without letting it affect our hearts and our hands, then I think then we miss out on on the true and lasting joy of living relationship with Jesus. See, by keeping it in our heads and not letting it affect our heart and our hands, then we miss out on seeing Jesus transforming powerful work in our lives and through our lives. And we can see that right at the end of verse 25. James explains that the person who does listen, the person who then puts that into practice, the very last few words that we read, they will be blessed in what they do. They will be blessed in what they do. They'll be blessed in their hearing and their doing. Yet there may be some of us who are missing that blessing. Because we merely hear. And God through James then goes on to give us a picture of what a life of merely listening is like in verses 23 and 24. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. That, That sounds a little bit ridiculous to us, doesn't it? And I think it's supposed to. When you look at a mirror, you remember what you see. It impacts you in a way. I think this sounds illogical and I think it's supposed to sound illogical. But verse 25 shows a better way. Someone who looks in the mirror and remembers, if you like, verse 25 goes on to say, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. I mean, We could rest there for a while, couldn't we? The perfect law that gives freedom. That is God's word. So often we view it as restrictive. So often we view it as, as hard to read. I get it. I understand that. Some of us struggle with the intellectual bit that's involved in reading God's word. Some of us struggle with the very practice of reading. Some of us struggle with engaging and mentally retaining some of the things we read. I understand that. I'm one of those. But yet, we're to do more than merely listen. And if we keep it as merely a head exercise, then it becomes almost a celebration of the smartness that we've brought to the Bible. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're to hear and do. And verse 25 shows us what a life like that is is like. Because someone who hears and does, verse 25 shows us, is someone who continues to live in the, the law of God. Someone who perseveres. Verse 25, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So the one who looks intently into the God's law and continues or perseveres in it will be blessed as they act. So this is someone who intently looks, as we've said, studying God's word, reading God's word, growing in knowledge of God's word. Those are good things. We look intently and in. we don't have a passing glance as we run straight to action. No, we look intently and allow that head knowledge to inform our heart and our hands. But this is someone who looks intently at God's word. And lives in the light of God's word. They persevere in living God's word and they do that and therefore experience blessing. And this sounds inviting, or I hope it sounds inviting for those of us who follow Jesus. We want to know that kind of blessing. And how do we know that blessing? Well, we know that blessing by continuing in his word. We persevere in his word. So then the question is, well, how do we do that? How do we persevere? How do we continue? Verse 25 shows us in, in between the hyphens, Not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. So to continue in God's law, we must do it. Putting God's word into practice in our lives as we're empowered by his spirit to do so is how we persevere, is how we continue. And hopefully we can see how how that is all a, a warning against the kind of deception that comes by merely listening. You see, these verses show that to continue to be in God's word, that law that brings freedom, we need to put it into practice. Because if we don't, we risk not persevering at all. We risk being blown and buffeted by all the other truths, small t's, that we're bombarded by throughout our weeks. Yet if we want to continue and persevere in God's law, then we hear and do we allow that head knowledge to go way beyond intellect and affect our heart and our hands. And in doing so, then we become grounded in God's truth. We continue in it. We persevere in it. Therefore, whatever comes our way will not shake us because we're grounded in his word. I wonder if we can see an example of, of what it means to continue in what we know by putting knowledge into action. I wonder if we can see an example of that through through some of our everyday real-life experiences. Imagine with me, if you will, someone who, who has passed their driving test. They passed their driving test years ago. Let's say 1981, 40 years ago, they passed their driving test. They flew through the test with hardly a minor fault to mention. And since then, they've continued to study up diligently on the highway code. They've uh, watched and paid careful attention to other drivers on the road and learning from their mistakes. They maybe watched Top Gear religiously. They subscribe to a couple of car magazines a month. They know their stuff. They have developed their knowledge in their 40 years since passing their test. But but one other thing is true. Since they passed their test in 1981, 40 years have gone by, and they've never sat in the driver's seat of a car. They've never driven since the day they passed their test. Yes, they've possibly renewed their license whenever they're supposed to, and so they're legally entitled to drive. They're permitted to do so, but, but they've never put that theory into practice in the open road. And this may seem silly to some of us, especially those of us who love to drive. Um, and the reason it seems silly is because we realize what they're missing. They're, they're missing the freedom of the open road. They're missing that the wonder as you drive through brilliant, beautiful countryside, that, that independence of just getting behind the wheel and seeing where the road takes you. They're missing out on all of that. See, they've secured all the head knowledge they could want, but they've never allowed that head knowledge to affect their heart. Their hearts haven't been captivated by the reality that they can now get behind the wheel, experience the open road, drive through the country, just go where the road takes. you. Isn't that wonderful? But they've never let that head knowledge impact their heart. And so they've never, therefore, put the hands on the wheel or their foot to the pedal. They've never experienced the, the, the wonder, the joy of driving. I know some of you don't like driving. Um, I do. I know Matt does. I know David does. I know others do. But go with me with the analogy. You see, we we might look at someone like that and and think that it's such a shame that they're not really living the driver's life that they're entitled to. And yet I wonder how that analogy might translate to, to many of us who follow Jesus. Maybe we've been diligent and busy in acquiring head knowledge, which is in no way wrong, no way to be ridiculed. Yet we've never let that head knowledge captivate our hearts to stir our affections for our Lord and therefore our, our hands have been relatively idle for the kingdom of God. a life like that, a life of merely listening is not the life that Jesus came to give us. He he came to give us life in all its fullness, life abundantly. So in, in some ways, we have been saved to live that life. So to take my analogy, get behind the wheel If you've passed your test, not that getting saved is a test. That's a bad analogy. But if you you are entitled to drive, then get behind the wheel. If Jesus has called you and saved you by grace, by faith in him, then live like it. And, And maybe that means we need to grow in all of these aspects. Some of us might be very head smart about Jesus, very head smart about theology. Let that impact our heart and our hands. Some of us actually might need to grow in that head knowledge. Wonderful. That's why we gather as Christians. That's why God gives us his word to show us himself so that we can grow in that knowledge. And that knowledge doesn't stay in our heads, captivates our hearts and determines our actions. See, what what, what I hope God is showing here through James And what I hope and I pray that we recapture through this series is that Jesus calls us to more than merely listen. He calls us to know with great clarity, with great assurance, the truths of his word. Absolutely. And to be so compelled by his glory as we see them revealed in those truths that we then surrender our whole lives to him with joy and with obedience and with freedom. Our head, our heart, our hands. There's there's two things I want to do before I finish. The the first is um, to make sure that that I'm clear and make sure there's no confusion that this is some kind of works-based thing to earn love and favor from God. As if you have to prove by outward actions that you're good enough to be a Christian. That is not the Bible. That is not what I believe I've said. I hope it isn't what has been heard. We're going to gather in a few minutes around the table and this table is the precise symbol of everything that has been done for us. The complete package of salvation has been completed. Our role is to believe by faith in Christ alone. And then that faith is worked out. So this is not a case I am not saying and the Bible, because the Bible is not saying that we have to earn our way through. As we'll see in a minute, for those of us who gather around the table, that is not the good news of Jesus Christ. Because the good news is better than the workspace gospel. The good news is grace. And the, the second thing I want to do, just as we finish, is to turn back to James. And I want to read um, a, a slightly more lengthy passage from chapter 2. I had initially thought of including this in our text that we studied together, but I actually think God's word in this instance uh, just needs to speak on its own. Uh, This can be quite a a convicting passage. Let it be so. Uh, For those of us who who know and follow and love Jesus, uh, let's allow him to work in our hearts and lives, even if that is uh, momentarily uncomfortable for us. If he is working, if his spirit is uh, wanting to sharpen us, then it is for his glory and for our good. Um, But I want us to read, because I think these verses from chapter 2, verse 14 to 26 captivate so much of what we've been talking about. We'll pick up on more of it, uh, I'm sure, throughout this series. But let's read uh, James 2, 14 to 26. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, that does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. That's a key verse. Let me read that again, verse 22. You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. This is challenging for, for many of us, myself included, who, who can easily fall into the trap of merely listening. Uh, and I know I've been deeply convicted this week as I've been preparing for this series and for this morning. Uh, and if you find yourself like me this morning, uh, feeling that the, the weight of what God is calling us to, then my prayer and my hope is that, that you leave here feeling hopeful. Not beat down, but hopeful. Yes, there may be be some convicting work that his spirit is doing among us. We need to bring those things before him. If he's highlighting areas of our lives and patterns of behavior that are unhelpful for his work in our lives, then we need to lay them before him. If God is is nudging you to to be laying things before him this morning, don't wait until you get home. Do that now. Do that convicting work that the spirit is doing. Respond to that convicting work that the spirit is doing. But the reality is that even in that convicting, sometimes difficult work, we can be hopeful. Because the Spirit is raising those things to our our awareness so that He can then have more of us. So that we can see Jesus even more in our lives. So that we can understand Him better. So that we can love Him more deeply. So that we can then live for Him more faithfully. See, in light of that convicting work, there's still hope. God's calling us to a deeper relationship with Him. And and so, as we finish for this morning, may, may God help us as we seek to hear His Word and put it into practice. As we seek to know Him more fully, as we seek to love Him more deeply, as we seek to follow Him more faithfully. May He help us to know His truth, which captivates our emotions and determines our actions. Let's pray together and then we'll sing before we share around the table again. Father God, we thank you. God almighty, we thank you that you have put a plan in place that you have rescued us that your salvation is good and complete. Lord, that you have you have called us to repent and to lay down our sin before you. And Father, that then you have been faithful and forgiven, those of us who have asked for that. Jesus, we praise you for your work on the cross, that work which is is fully and finally complete. You said from the cross, it is finished. And so what we've been hearing from you this morning has not been about improving our actions to earn favor with you. But Father, we thank you that this morning has been hopefully a celebration of your grace. That we know we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And then as a as a result of that wonderful saving work, Father, we want our lives uh, to, to matter for your kingdom. Because your glory alone is what we seek. And so would you help us? Would you help us, Father, to increase our, our head, knowledge, understanding, and wrestling with your word? Would you help us as we do that? And would you help that, that work to go way beyond just our heads and captivate our hearts to, to help us fall more in love with you. And therefore, Father, our lives will be transformed by your Spirit working through us to impact this world for your glory, your kingdom, for the extension of your gospel. And so, Lord, I pray for Uh, Those of us who need help this morning, uh, may we collectively together as your body here be uh, that help for one another as we seek to wrestle with what this means for each of us. Lord, I pray for uh, those who might be listening who don't know you yet, don't know the joy, don't know the the, the wonder of life in you. And Father, I pray that you would help them to see the life to the full that you have have come to give them. If they would... uh, lay their lives before you, repent of their sin, ask for your forgiveness, and plead for your spirit to fill them and let them live a a full and obedient life to you. And so we pray that for us all. That as we live, Father, your name will be glorified. We praise you for your word. And may it continue to work in us and through us as we seek to live our lives for your glory. Amen.